Hi there, this is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Elyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together today on a clear, beautiful day. The magnificence of the rain and the wind we've had, dear Lord, indicates your power and your sovereignty. We thank you for helping us to understand how to identify ungodly emotions. Please sanctify our emotions, dear Lord, as we continue to study this book and bless our time together. In Christ's name, amen. Sinful anger, chapter 9. Paul Tripp says, Desire lies at the base of every angry feeling, word, and action. Some gentleman named Alec Maltier. Most of us would have to confess that holy anger belongs to a state of sanctification to which we have not attained. Our culture has turned anger on its head. We live in an angry society, and somewhere along the line, we conform to the thinking that being angry is okay. The experts say, the problem isn't that we get mad. We can't help that. It's, what matters is that we don't hurt anybody. Well, the real issue when it comes to anger is not what the experts say, but what the Bible says. Just want to call to mind what we talked about last week in chapter 8, a chapter worthy of review because it introduced the process for mortifying ungodly emotions. And I'm just going to go through the review real quick. It's always good if you got the book or get the uh, outline. Three-step process that Borgman walks us through in chapter 8 of how to mortify ungodly emotions. And the first step is honest self-evaluation, right? But we need to honestly identify patterns of sinful emotions and emotional displays. Displays seems to infer that somebody is a witness to those displays. So that was step one of self-evaluation. Step two is authentic confession and repentance. That's authentic confession and repentance. We talked about the confession and repentance also in the same light. Confession to another person is critical. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. And the pastor asked after last week's message that wondered whether or not my Catholic upbringing cultured me to be able to readily confess my sins face to face or 
faced a screen pre-Vatican II? Yeah, probably. And number three was committing our ungodly emotions to the transformation of a biblical process. And we talked about the biblical process essentially being conforming our emotions and educating them with the word of God and then putting off the ungodly and putting on the godly and the righteous. And matter of fact, I even pointed out that there was a book by Armand Tiffey called Transformed into His Likeness, and it's a really great book and chart based upon certain ungodly emotions and with scripture references for what the Bible says about the ungodly or unrighteous display of them, and then how to take those off in the scriptures to help you conform your emotions to a godly pattern. Once again, I get no percentage from any sales of that book. So let's understand anger. It's an emotion. And our emotions express our values and our evaluations. They also influence motives and conduct, so anger is something we both feel and do. Anger is not always sinful. Our capacity to feel anger is a part of the image of God in us. God is holy and perfect, and yet he can be angry. Psalm 103 says, God is slow to anger and is compassionate. Psalm 30, his anger lasts for a moment, he restrains his anger in Psalm 78. And the conclusion is that not all anger is sinful. Ephesians says, be angry and do not sin. It's be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sin, sun go down on your anger. Righteous anger versus unrighteous or sinful anger. At this point in the book, Borgman points out, there is another book that he finds very helpful from an author in a biblical certified biblical counselor called Lou Priolo. And Lou Priolo wrote a book called The Heart of Anger. And in it, it has a diagram entitled, Is Your Anger Righteous Anger? Righteous anger occurs when God does not get what he wants. Righteous anger is, occurs when God does not get what he wants. Righteous anger is motivated by a sincere love for God. So if you love what God loves and hates what he hates and you get angry in synchronicity with his will, then you have righteous anger. Righteous anger is aroused when God's will is violated. Do not murder babies, whatever. You are in, that's in his will. He gets angry, you can get angry. But sinful anger occurs when I am denied an unbiblical expectation. It is motivated by a love of some idolatrous desire, or commonly referred to as love of self. And it happens when my will is violated. Sinful anger is an internal problem. The section of the book we get into now is called Inside of Me, Not Outside of Me. It's not a circumstantial nor an, existent, or an external one. We want to attribute our anger to something outside of ourselves, like traffic, a difficult coworker, an uncooperative spouse, a self-willed child, etc. 
but anger comes from our own hearts. The Lord said, from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person, Mark 7, 21 through 23. External circumstances may give occasion for anger to surface, but what comes spewing out of you comes from inside of you. You know, my pastor in my last church was always fond of saying, and correctly so, people say, he made me angry. No, that anger was always inside of you. Paul Tripp once again drives this one home. When angry... Most people explain their anger by blaming something or someone else outside themselves, but James 4 says we will never understand our anger that way. Instead, he counsels us to do the exact opposite, to look within. This is a fundamental biblical principle. The only way to understand your anger is to examine your own heart, which is step one we talked about last week, honest self-evaluation. Now into the section called the heating element of wrong thinking. Sinful anger begins with the wrong thought processes. Processes which point to our errant values and evaluations. Wrong thinking then affects the emotions. An example would be anger that emerges from sinful pride. Proverbs 13.10 says, pride only breeds quarrels. Red star here, pride is a mental attitude based on faulty assumptions about us. What would my assumptions be about me that's faulty? <laughs> that I'm God? In a nutshell, my sovereignty? Prideful anger can often manifest as frustration. The angry person demands that he or she gets his way or her way and expects that others should always acquiesce. The proud man usually is the person who, while demanding forgiveness and forbearance from others, can't spare a bit for anyone else, and in the process, angrily condemns those who don't meet his standards or fail to forgive him readily. Anger can also come from believing we deserve something or have certain rights. We expect something that we didn't get. Honest confessions here. So yes, I've had occasion to partake in biblical counseling for the purposes of mortifying my ungodly anger. And there was a chart that I was given at one point, uh, my, my anger journal. Honey, where's my anger journal? <laughs> it's over on the bookshelf, that thing that's smoking over there. <laughs> That thousand volume work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Is that the commentary series? <laughs> the Chris Bureau's anger it's commentary. The floor right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But there's a chart in there that I fill out, and um, it basically has four columns, and it basically says, What were you feeling? And there was three, but the last column was, I, I'll never forget this. There was like the little box, and it said, what were you expecting? What were you expecting? Got angry. What caused it? How did you respond? What were you expecting? Just 
wanted to be God. That's all. Just wanted to be God. <laughs> and that is the point of James 4, 1 through 2. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Next section is called, What is Inside Will Come Out. Anger comes out one way or the other. Whether the manifestation is clamming up, blowing up, withdrawing, or striking out verbally or physically, sinful anger is an ugly, toxic, defiling emotion that leaves destruction in its wake, bad memories, broken relationship, and ruined lives. The irony is that the angry person often justifies the anger. We are very quick to justify our anger because we think it produces results. This is very unbiblical thinking that will prevent us from ever putting sin sinful anger to death. I outline his chapters and read from the outline, substituting phrases and sentences of my own. But there's a lot of scenarios and counseling examples that he puts in here, even descriptive language, based on his own experience that I can't, I can't pass off as my own. This is a direct quote about what is inside will come out, justifying the anger. A husband told me with confidence, Pastor, I can only get through to her when I'm yelling and using profanity. Oh, really? And when she finally listens, you are able to do things God's way. Exactly, was his reply. So you think that your use of anger is justified because it accomplishes God's purpose. I told you so. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Borgman says, I said, I think God's opinion is different from yours. And he quotes James 1.20. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. As long as we think about it unbiblically and justify it wickedly, it will control us and we will never kill it. We need to see it for the terrorist it really is and despise it as God really does. Now here's a biblical sketch of anger. But gaining a perspective biblically on sinful anger should compel us to think biblically about it. The deeds, of, the deeds of the flesh, the harvest of unregenerate fruit, has its fair share of sins related to anger. Galatians 5, you've known this passage, hear it again. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and like things. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul also warns us that sinful anger can become a base of operations for the devil in our lives. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. The word opportunity here is literally a place to stand. All unbiblical feelings and thoughts must be brought under the authority of God's word. We must confess and repent of our deeds and expressions of anger. That's outlined for us in chapter, chapter 8. This will often require a 
family meeting, a phone call, or a letter, repenting and asking for forgiveness from those whom we have hurt. Be specific, not general. For husbands and dads, this is especially difficult, but it is necessary. We must be determined to forsake the anger, according to Proverbs 28. According to the book I mentioned, and according to the scriptures we know, we must put it off. In other words, the sinful anger must be something that we want to get rid of, like an old flea-infested ratty coat. And this happens when we begin to think about it the way God thinks about it. Replace sinful anger with tenderness, compassion, and kindness. Let's take a look at uh, Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Somebody would like to read that? That's Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Go ahead, Deb. And that is a put-off and a put-on verse. Very good. Okay. Replace sinful anger with tenderness, compassion, and kindness, as we have read. Identify the source and ask yourself, how is my pride breeding the anger in my heart? And what am I not getting that I am elevating to idol status and willing to go to war over? Or as that column in my chart said, what are you expecting? What were you expecting? And were your expectations biblical? This process can be difficult because like so many of our sins, sinful anger can become a part or a habitual part of us. We may need more in-depth thought and emotions realignment, like biblical counseling, anger journal, an accountability partner, once we begin to have a biblical perspective and think properly about sinful anger, we are in a much better place to start exercising self-control. God told Cain he needed to master the anger that was welling up inside of him in Genesis 4-7. Proverbs exhorts us to put away our anger Proverbs 16.32 says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. When I read this, I remember the movie Patton. One of the great scenes in that movie was he had angrily disciplined a soldier who was experiencing shell shock or battle fatigue. And Patton castigated this young man as a coward, had him removed from the hospital so that he wouldn't stink up the place with his cowardice, so to speak, and slapped him on the helmet several times. And that became the great slapping incident. It's an interesting scene because he is eventually formally reprimanded by Eisenhower and the general staff. And he is told that he is going to issue an apology 
to, and the list was long. The soldier, everybody in the room at the time, all the doctors and nurses, the third army in general, and his army was holed up in Sicily, I believe. But he actually, during the point at which he's going to stand on an elevated balcony above essentially all the third army elements, I believe it's the third army, I may be wrong there, but while he's walking to his balcony, he is in a voiceover uh, speaking psalm, and I can't recall the psalm, but it's, um, O Lord, you are my God, early will I seek you, my soul thirsteth for you, on a, like, a, like I'm in a dry and dusty land where there is no water. And essentially, at the end of it, he says, and those who basically criticize me will go to Sheol. And his apology, if you see it, is, is a justification. Essentially, he's saying, my intention was to make the guy a better soldier. That was on my mind. And essentially, what we're all cultured to say, when we offend at work, even if we don't, we are told to say, I apologize for what you thought I said or thought I did if it offended you. It's a very instructive uh, scenario. Known as a great leader, known as a godly man, cursed a lot, right? Justified it because what? He led the charge into Germany and eventually the fall of Germany during World War II. But it brings to mind Proverbs 25, 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. You know, Patton had his command relieved, uh, removed from, he was removed from command for several months because of a slapping incident. He was an angry man, but he also led very well. But his anger also, he was justified, and um, he lacked the self-control. At one point, it took his peer General Bradley, after Bradley reinstated General Patton. Patton, so remorseful, so contrite, so thankful to get another command. I'm going to watch my mouth, and at some point, he wasn't. And Bradley says, I did this. You know what, George? You don't know when to shut up. And all George Patton could say was, Brad, on many things, but not ungrateful. Thank you for what you gave me. And that's the last you heard of him. Conclusion is sinful anger is our problem, but God has not left us to be controlled by emotions and outbursts. Rather, he has equipped us to handle, equipped us to handle both feeling and action. Through biblical thinking and absorbing what God says, and then prayerfully depending upon his grace and Holy Spirit, we can mortify the emotions and exhibitions of sinful anger. So Lord, we thank you for bringing this exposition to our souls. We ask for your grace and your strength to confess the shortcomings in this particular area to one another and to expose ourselves to the truth of the scriptures that will guide us to emotional wholeness and godly displays, only godly displays of this emotion in the future. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hi there, this is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Elyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you. 